So if you're a coach, maybe you just say, don't stay stuck in your rut or don't stay overweight or don't stay depressed or don't stay in this job you hate, whatever it is, though, that failure piece and show them how they can have success on the other side of that as the guide. And then they become a transformed character. We don't have to be in the spotlight. Our customer needs to be in the spotlight. Welcome to the Influence by Design podcast. I'm Samantha Riley, authority positioning strategist for coaches and experts. If you're ready to build a business that gives you more than just a caffeine addiction and you dream of making more money, having more time and having the freedom to be living your best life, then you're in the right place. It's time to level up. Welcome to the Influence by Design podcast, Amy. It's great to have you here. I'm looking forward to having a conversation today about branding, specifically how you can create your story so that you attract the right clients because this it's a topic that I see many people struggle with, really getting their messaging right. And yes. I'm sure that's where you even started here in the first place, right? Yeah, definitely. Getting the story straight of a business is so important. And typically people want to default to telling their story. And unfortunately, that's not the right story to share up front in order to generate leads. Yeah. Now I find this really interesting because I'm going to say probably like around, you know, the 2000 and 10 to around 2014 at a guess was the height of I'm going to lean on a Ferrari and I'm going to stand at the front of this massive mansion and I'm going to you know have all these images and then you'll know that I'm really rich and that means that I'm really good at what I do and you'll work with me but we also know that we do need to share our story in parts of our business because that's how people connect with us but there are specific times to share those stories. And that's what you're going to sort of dive a little bit deeper into today. The first time we spoke, I wrote down the quote, you're not the hero, your client is the hero. I would love you to start there and share, obviously in our conversation, that was a big thing because I've written it down and I've got little notes around it and all sorts of things. What do you mean by that? from a marketing perspective? So if we are a plumbing company and our daddy and us started this plumbing company back in 1955 and all of that, and we present ourselves as this great hero for being this great plumbing company and we have all these wonderful things about us, well, nobody really cares about that because who is the ideal client in a plumbing scenario? Well, I can tell you, it is a female homeowner who's usually a wife and a mother. That's mm -hmm. who an ideal client is for many, many home services companies. It's the wife that makes that phone call after her husband has ran to freaking Home Depot a thousand times and 10 hours later and seven days later and nothing gets done. The wife's the one that makes that phone call. So speaking a message to her about her home and the reason that she deserves a home that functions without leak. She shouldn't have to have water in her floor because she has a leaky sink. She deserves to have a home that works. She deserves yeah. to have a plumber. She trusts show up when she calls them. It shouldn't be that she may or may not expect them to show up or they may or may not answer the phone or they might show up and have a record 
All of these things are, are concerns that this woman has. And all she wants is a household that runs. She needs yeah. to be a hero. She needs to have a house that runs and that operates with ease, you know, and that's what she's worried about. If she's seen 5,000 ads that day, she's not going to pay attention to any one of them unless it says something like, you deserve a home without a leaky sink. Oh my gosh. You yeah. Know what? I have a leaky sink. I totally do deserve a home. I paid a lot of money for this thing. I, I do all my dishes all the time. I, I keep up with stuff. I'm a busy mom. I'm a busy wife. I have all of these responsibilities. I shouldn't have to put up with a, a contractor that is subpar, that's substandard or a home with a wet floor. Totally. So we have to present her as a hero in her own story in order for her to, to engage that business or else she's never going to do it. Now mm. there's a time and place like on that, but on that plumbing company's social media channels, they should absolutely be talking about their staff and their story and how they came to be and the ways that they give back to their community and what they're involved in. And all of these things matter, but the sales message has mm. to speak directly to that wife, to that yeah. mom, the busy woman who's frustrated and fed up and sick of that kid cramming micro machines and Barbie or whatever they're called now, hot wheels and Barbies down the toilet. She doesn't <laughs> deserve that. She shouldn't have to put up with that. And she needs to hear that message as a clear, loud bell in a symphony of noise that's happening mm -hmm. on the internet and on billboards and in her car and on the radio and everywhere that she's bombarded with every day. Mm -hmm. As humans, we are just trying to survive and thrive. And unless something we see or hear speaks directly to that survival and thriving mechanism, we won't hear it. Yeah. I love that so much because it brought up a, a story that I heard oh, probably about 10 years ago, and it was a plumbing business and the, their messaging wasn't getting cut through. They really needed more leads. They just couldn't win contracts. And what they did was just like throw, throw their hands in the air and go back to square one. And what they discovered by going back and speaking to their ideal clients was that the mums who let the plumbers in the door were often frustrated that they would drag mud through the door. So they created an advertising campaign that was nothing about leaky sinks or block toilets. It was, we promise that when we walk into your house, all our contractors will have plastic on our boots. Yeah. so that we won't drag mud through and it blew up for them because yes. they were speaking directly to that pain point of that mother who's got the kids running around the house that's trying to get them to soccer training don't have time to mop the floor so yeah. it's it's really worthwhile taking that breath and taking that pause and saying what is what is important to my ideal clients and it's not just a physical problem that we are solving, right? So we have to speak to the philosophical problem as well. We have to speak to an emotional problem. You know, like there is a physical problem. There's dirt on my floor, but the emotional problem is like, oh, I'm a hardworking mom. You know, I work hard to keep my floors clean and I expect everyone else to do that. And the philosophical problem is like, you shouldn't have to have a contractor come in your house and track mud in here. You deserve a clean floor when that contractor leaves your home, mm. right? So mm -hmm, we can't just mm -hmm. talk to the physical problem. We have to evoke emotion and mm -hmm. philosophical reasonings on why things should be a certain way or they shouldn't have to deal with it. A certain yeah. thing like that.
Yeah. So we're all driven by different drivers. You know, some of us make decisions based on moving away from fear, for example. Some of us make decisions moving towards pleasure. Is there a certain, I guess, way that is better to come in? Or do we need to make sure that we have all of those problems talked about in different pieces of our marketing? Well, it definitely different pieces. Like, so for instance, a nonprofit, they have two different client avatars, right? Like they need to speak a message to those they serve and they need to speak a message to those who donate. So Mm. there should be definitely an overarching broad language base that is used in a company from the C-suite down to the person mopping the floor or the barista, whoever, everyone should be speaking that same language as it relates to the business overall. But when it comes to individual advertising campaigns, yes, you can basically story brand any campaign in and of itself. The whole business itself should be also story branded with that overarching message as well. But yes, we should definitely get granular with that messaging for every campaign. Yeah, cool. So you mentioned story brand there. There's going to be a lot of people listening that know what that is. But for those that haven't heard of it and need to, because I love story brand, can you just quickly walk us through what it is that you're talking about? Yes. So story brand is a framework, a messaging framework. It was developed by a a genius that I I consider a genius, uh, Donald Miller. If you haven't heard of him, look him up. I've got several of his books on my shelf. Some of them look uh, as well worn as my Bible. They are practically, uh, I mean, they're golden as far as I'm concerned. And one of those books he wrote is called Building a Story Brand. And it walks through the process of a character. Our ideal client is a character in a story. Okay. And Mm -hmm. that character wants something. What do they want? They have a problem, right? Think about every movie you've ever seen a character. They have a problem. If there was an opening scene of a movie and there was a character and he was like, well, my life is just great. There wasn't some bomb going off or there wasn't a girl to chase or there wasn't, you know, some impending doom. We wouldn't care. Right. It wouldn't be very interesting story. Very (laughs) interesting. The story would be over. Right. Yeah. So This framework walks you through building a story about your business, starting with a character. And that's the ideal client. The character wants something, but there's a problem standing in the way. And we have to personify that problem as a villain in the story, right? So if you think back to the old Mucinex commercials, they like personified a booger pretty much. And it was just like a snot wad of like, and they're like, okay, this is the problem. We can't sleep because we have phlegm in our mouth, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So we personify a villain that root cause of the customer's problem. But that problem, like we were just saying, is not only external, but it's also an internal problem. And then it's also the philosophical, the reason it's just plain wrong. Like Mm -hmm. it's, you, I shouldn't have to deal with this. I don't deserve that. It should be a different way. But then they need a guide. That's the business. That's your coach. That's you coach that's listening to this. You're the guide. You have to show them empathy. Look, I've been there before. You have to explain to them that you know where they were and that you have the solution to bring them to success. So we have to show them empathy and then we have to show them some authority. Like we have done this this many times. Here is how many times we've been successful at it. If you're a plumbing company, you know, we've successfully serviced this many. Sometimes numbers are great to show that authority. Anyway, you can show that authority as the guide. We have to show empathy and then we have to show them authority. 
And then we have to show them a three-step plan to get there. And that might be, you know, people don't know what to do unless we tell them what to do. We have to give them a plan. This framework also guides us to, to not ask everyone to marry us. So what most everyone is out there doing is saying, will you marry me? Will you marry me? Will you marry me? Which kind of sounds like buy my program, buy my program, buy my program. Yeah. Right? Huh? Okay. Well, not everybody's ready to marry us when we very first meet. Right. So sometimes we need to offer them a date, which is mm-hmm. what we in the story brand world call a transitional call to action. The call to action that book, the call, hire me, pay now, all those, those are marry me, but mm-hmm. people need they might need a little coffee date. So that's your lead generator, right? That's the thing you give away for free that costs around $10. People value those email addresses at about 10 bucks, 10 to $15 is what we value our spam email address that we give to everyone for coupons. That's Uh what we value at. So we give them a transitional call to action just to date me so that we can get them into that pipeline of email marketing and text campaigns and all those things where we can continue to have touch points. But the step has to be three steps. If I catch on fire right now, I don't know. Which I hope you don't. <laughs> I hope I don't. It's 106 <laughs> degrees here in Oklahoma City. So like, oh my maybe goodness. I might. It's a very you hot. Might. But so I might, but I'm going to do what? I'm going to stop, drop, and roll. Our brains are wired yeah. to remember three things only. So, you know, we got to give them a three-step plan. Book the call, get the plan, let us go to work. I mean, it can be as simple as that. Make the call, schedule your appointment service tech shows up, whatever that thing is, that three-step process, we have to give that to them on our website, in our marketing. We have to tell them we know our businesses really, really, really well, but not everyone knows our business as well as we do. So we have Mm. to give them that step. We have to call them to action to take those steps, which is that marry me or date me. And then we have to show them how their lives will be better on the other side of, of doing business with us, tell them the way that their life will positively change as every, as a um, result of doing business with us, but it helps them avoid failure and helps them guide them to success. So we want to sprinkle in a little bit of failure. There were some ASPCA commercials that went around about the poor, terrible homeless animals, and they all need to be fed for just $19.99 a month. Your, your donation can feed these poor starving animals. Well, they took it a little heavy on the failure side. Like it was depressing. People were sad. So, you know, we want to say like, you know, don't stay stuck in your rut for another six months your life can look like this too, right? So if you're a coach, maybe you just say, don't stay stuck in your rut or don't stay overweight or don't stay depressed or don't stay in this job you hate, whatever it is, that failure piece and show them how they can have success on the other side of that as the guide. And then they become a transformed character. Like they're all of a sudden the dude that diffused the bomb or he got the girl or you married the, married the girl or overcame that terrible thing because of this wonderful guide that come alongside them and didn't have to take the highlight and the stage as the hero in the spotlight. So I was trying to say, we don't have to be in the spotlight. Our customer needs to be in the spotlight. They mm. need to know how they win their ego is what we have to lift up. And and that's okay. We are human. We are wired to be very, very selfish and that's okay. Mm. But we have to remember that when we're, when we're developing language that's speaking directly to that client. I love that. It's coming from a place of service to the client rather than serving our ego, which it can 
it can do when you lead with that, even though I also believe, and you mentioned it earlier, they do need to know about our story because that's how they connect through values and all, all sorts of different things. But it is coming from that that place of what are, what are their 2am problems? What's keeping them up at night? What What is it that they need now? Absolutely. Now, I've just mentioned a couple of those questions to ask yourself, but I know, and I'm sure you see this too, that a lot of people, they're so good at what they do. They really struggle to get their head around this piece. And I see a lot of people feeling like they're the failure because they can't get their head around this piece. Now, if this is you right now, it's got nothing to do with how good you are at delivering and serving your client at all. This is a completely different skill set, but it is one that we need to get right. So there were some of the things that I said, like, what are the questions that we have to ask ourselves to get really clear on that? So it's like, what are the 2am problems? What are, you know, it's those questions to help them really understand how to pull that story out. Mm-hmm. Ask, ask your clients, ask your favorite client, you know, what is, the, what was the problem that brought you to me? You know, that mm-hmm. that's a great place to start. If you're already having some success with those ideal clients, a client survey is an excellent way to find out what the problem was that, that brought them to you. Data, data is one, one big thing on, you know, on, on how to know, but, but just really starting to dig in and asking yourself, what is it that my client is dealing with that, that I help them with, you know, not, not just what is the service that I provide, but what is that deeper problem? What is it that, that they're laying awake thinking about at night and just brainstorming with your team? If you have a team, a lot of times you'll find that, that they have a completely different perspective than what you have as the owner. You know, you think, you know, everything, but then getting that, the extra feedback from others around you is, is a very valuable piece to take. Yeah, I love that getting feedback from other people because it just helps to take your thought in a different direction. We can all get really stuck in our thoughts and hit a wall and think, oh my goodness, I just, I can't come up with anything else. Then all it takes is someone to go, well, what about this? And it's like, how did I not see that? It was staring at me in the face the whole time. Yes. Yeah. A lot of moments like that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or so, you read something a million times and then you read it again and you're like, like it just clicks. You know, I think there's a time yeah. in business when it's right and wrong to, to do certain things. I think there's a, there's a right time in business, you know, like not everyone starts out in their business going, you know, I really need to get my messaging right. Mm, <laughs> they're they're mm-hmm. just going like, oh my God, how do I do this thing that I want to do? Right. Like they're yeah, just trying yeah. to get their procedures down their processes, their systems. And how do I get clients? (laughs) And how do I even get clients? Right. So yeah, you know, this isn't always the first step in an ideal world. The messaging is, is always the first step. If I can take messaging, you know, and we work with several, several people with this in this manner, but if I can take the messaging first, before I ever develop a logo for you, that's the ideal scenario. But most of the time, 95 percent of the time we're working back we're working backward on that messaging and just helping to make it more clear once a business already is established once they have a great sales process once they know they know their own internal process they've developed that they have it all ready to go and things are clicking and and sales are 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 navigable with within their own process and their internal teams so 
you don't have to start out this way. It is ideal, but but it's rarely the first step that most business owners take unless they're already aware of it. Mm, mm. There's a whole story brand process that you walked us through earlier. The, that first piece is getting really clear on, you know, what are those uh, deciding factors or those pieces of information that make people go, yes, I, I want to look further into you. What else do we need to work through to get this entire story brand mapped out? Or at least started into draft process. So we use a tool that's just basically like a roadmap. Um, but after we have that roadmap of who is that, who is this person about, who's the character, what are they trying to get? What's the thing in their way? Why is it just plain wrong? After that, we take all of that information back and we develop their, what we call the one-liner. That's mm-hmm. that elevator pitch that you give when someone says, Hey, Samantha, what do you do? And like, people go, well, I do a whole lot of stuff and I do some coaching and I do some consulting and I have a program and I do this. And, and like, it's hard because we know all of the millions of things that we do, but having one concise statement to say is very, 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 very helpful. Yeah. So we help develop that. We help develop a, their explanatory paragraph, which is normally that about us section on the website, lots of email headlines, website headlines, a a document that has all of that common language that can be shared across their entire business um, so that everybody's speaking the same language, the deliverable on the other side. Yeah, I love that so much. Now, before we started recording, you were telling me about a website audit that you do. What are some of the things that as coaches and consultants, we can jump on our website and really quickly have a look at to see where our messaging is a little bit off. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, if you go to a website and you can't tell within three seconds what that website is about, where they are and what they do, then people are going to click back. So we have a very short time, a very, very short window of time to capture someone's attention. And so the very first step when we do a website audit is we are looking for a very clear header that says what it is that they do. That is very, very important. We also are looking for a very clear call to action in that upper right-hand corner. We're looking to see, is it friendly on mobile, on tablet, and on desktop? Is it quick. It does it load fast. If it doesn't load fast. We're going to, they're going to click back and go to the next result, right? At a first visual glance, we want to make sure strong call to action in the upper right-hand corner, a photograph, like your header picture or a header video should be about what you do. So often I'll go and see, you know, a website that maybe like a plumbing website and it's just a row of trees because well, maybe the owner was really into hunting or really loves the forest. <laughs> well, are you selling trees? What are you selling? What are you about? Please make sure your picture is about what you're about. It's also very important. Give a call to action. There should definitely be a form somewhere on that homepage, preferably above the fold. We talk about mm-hmm. above the fold in a newspaper, like I had a paper sitting there uh, in a newspaper before, you know, before we open it up 
all the most important things are above the fold. So mm-hmm. the same is on a website before you scroll, that's what's considered above the fold. So before mm-hmm. you scroll on a desktop version, we need to make sure that all those questions are answered. Who are you? What do you do? And where do you do it? So for people that look at it and go, I think it's okay, but I'm not really sure. You also do website audits. How can people tap into that with you? Yeah, absolutely. They can just go over to amysingleton.net. All of my contact information is there, all the socials. And there is a form down there at the bottom of of that page where you can enter your information. Just give me your website URL, your name, the business name, your website URL. And I will go, some myself or someone on my team will go and do about a 10 minute audit video showing you like, move this there. Here's what we would do. Here's problem. Here's areas of opportunity that I see. Here's where you're doing really, really well. We'll take a look at the speed of the website, what platform it's built on. Very important, by the way, you know, do they have analytics attached? What are they doing with their Google business profile? What are the rest of their local listings look like? So it's essentially not just a website structural and design look mm-hmm. on it, but we also kind of go and dig into the SEO or the rankings of that website and, and tell you how to do better because building a website and having a website that ranks, a, you know, for certain keywords is a completely different situation. Mm. Just having a website is like having a digital business card. No one will ever find it unless you tell them the URL. If you hand them your business card and say, here, go to this website. That's how people will find that website. Mm. Unless and until the website is on an excellent platform, is set up correctly from the back end, has valuable content on it, talking about the things that you do. And there are other websites out on the internet talking about your website, which we refer to as a backlink. So there are several pieces of getting a website to rank, but I think it's really important for a business owner to know that just having a website does not mean it will show up in Google. Mm. Completely different thing. Love that so much because people, I have heard people say your website is like your digital business card. It's like saying that LinkedIn is like Facebook for business owners. It's not, you know, and your website shouldn't just be a digital business card. It is way more than that. Otherwise, you know, I like to say it's like having your website in the middle of the Sahara desert and expecting someone to walk past and see it. It's not going to happen. So I love that so much. I just would love to quickly ask, you mentioned there are good platforms and bad platforms. We were going to talk about this, but you've piqued my interest. What are we looking for here? (laughs) I will not say there are any bad platforms. There are lots of platforms that work for lots of people in a variety of niches. However, if I am building a new website for a business, it will be a WordPress website. Mm-hmm. That is what Google expects to see. You know, over 50% of the top top ranking websites are on WordPress. I challenge you to look up, especially a home services business and find that top ranking and find one that's not on WordPress. Uh, yeah. That's what Google prefers. It's the most robust platform. And the bottom line is that you own it. Mm -hmm. versus many other platforms that are very easy to use drag and drop builders. I won't say their names, but there are many out there that a business owner doesn't own. And those Mm. things are great to get us started in business. Like we can just whip together a great looking website, 
But as we grow, as we scale, we want to run ads. We want to do search engine optimization. We want to do some of these things. Number one, we're paying to build an asset we don't own. So that Mm. sucks. Like, so if I'm adding a million pages to one of those website builders that starts with a W that's not WordPress and (laughs) that person comes to me and they're like, I have this hundred page website. I'd like you to move it to WordPress. Well, moving a website isn't really a thing. It has to be rebuilt somewhere else. And that's a hundred page website. That's a, that's a five figure website versus, you know, a a $3,500 website where I could have built it at eight or 10 pages and started from scratch with something you own. When we build up things we don't own, then we're looking at a much higher expense later on to rebuild an asset that we own. So trackability, tracking ads, being able to, to know your ROI, that's really important as you grow and scale in business. And so being on WordPress is not only important for speed, for Google's authority and, and preference, but also for that trackability aspect and ownership. Mm. And that can add six figures to the top line sale of a business. In fact, my husband and I just sold our second painting company earlier this year. We used to have a business model that was what we called a rank and rent. We would rank websites in areas of low hanging fruit, and we would get leads coming in from those websites and operate kind of like an Angie's list or home advisor, but locally. And we ranked a painting website within six months. We had three crews. We weren't trying to be a painter again, but there we were. And so we were able to actually sell that business because we had excellent branding, a great online presence, a WordPress website that we owned that we could transfer to the new owner that had lead flow because Mm -hmm. organic SEO had been done to that website. And so that website continues to get leads for that business owner. That's the lifeblood of a business is those leads. So while many business owners will not invest in a WordPress website and search engine optimization, if the money is there, the time to do that is day one. I mean, absolutely as early as possible because it's like planting a tree. It just grows and grows and grows. And then eventually SEO is a zero sum game. So once you're on top, unless someone else comes along and does more work than you, it doesn't take a ton of work to maintain those rankings over time. Love that so much. Wow, you have just given us so much value today. So many different things that as coaches we can look at to really get clear on our messaging, make sure that our digital footprint is nice and neat. We've got the good foundations there. And uh, I look forward to seeing you next time. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. This was great. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Influence by Design podcast. If you want more, head over to influencebydesignpodcast.com for the show notes and links to today's gifts and sponsors. And if you're looking to connect with other experts who are growing and scaling their business too, join us in the Coaches, Thought Leaders and Changemakers community on Facebook. The links are waiting for you over at influencebydesignpodcast.com.